listening to the Toronto Legends Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Applebaum. My guest today is Lily Tran from the Tap Fong Trading Company. Tap Fong is a retail store located in the heart of Toronto's Chinatown and is synonymous with Toronto's eating industry, whether in your kitchen, on your dining room table, or at food counters, restaurants, and bars all across Canada. Established in 1984, Tap Fong is known for its absolutely crazy variety of products both inexpensive and commercial grade, used and loved by home cooks and top restaurants alike. Tap Fong has it all. As you weave through the aisles, stuffed with products of all shapes and sizes, you will get the essence of Toronto. On any given shopping day, you'll be rubbing shoulders with both big name chefs and walk shopping grandmothers alike, and you'll hear a mix of Cantonese, Mandarin, Toysonese, Vietnamese, English, and any variety of the other languages that show off our city's diversity. For 37 years, three generations have made the Tap Fong Trading Company both a local institution and a Toronto legend. Welcome, Lily Tran. Thank you for joining me. Where are you and how are you? Wow, and good morning, Toronto. That was quite the introduction. I am well. Uh, After that, I don't know if I need to say any (laughs) more. We got lots to talk about with you. What is your role at Tap Fong? And if you can lay out for us the cast of characters in your current organizational chart, this truly is a, a family enterprise. Uh, well, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. A lot of people would always ask me, what is my role? And it's kind of being third generation family, uh, just sort of like continuation, continuing the family business. I felt like they had me doing it all. But if I had to give myself an official designation, retail manager. <laughs> okay, that's a good one. Yeah. And lay out the whole cast of characters that make up Tap Fong today. Uh, well, if we were to start from the, the beginning, uh, it was, you know, Tap Fong, I'm sure, was, it was established by my grandfather originally in Vietnam. And like a lot of uh, during the time when he and my family uh, sort of uh, became refugees, um, during the Vietnam War and looked for better lives and obviously a safer life for their family and their future, uh, went to Canada. And uh, from there, it, uh, it's been established. My, my grandfather has since passed away, but it's been continuing with my, uh, a joint effort between my parents, uh, my dad being the oldest, uh, the oldest brother between my grandfather's two sons and my dad's wife, Anna, and my uncle, uh, Danny, and his wife, Dee. Um, in terms of third generation, I was the first to, to continue, continue on, on my dad's side. And then on my uncle and aunt's side, we have my three cousins, uh, Andrew being the oldest, Jessica being the middle child, and uh, Kevin being the youngest, like myself. Okay. And then there's a motley crew of... of uh, Workers that uh, I wish I knew their their English names, so <laughs> I only know them when they're in the evening. And and you've had some employees be with you for how long? Oh wow! I there's been some uh, 
you know, cat, you know, um, staff that's been with us for 20 years, a few of them during the pandemic um, probably took it during that time to sort of reflect on their lives and decide to retire early and are leading much uh, happier, relaxed lives now, <laughs> but come and pop in every once in a while to say hello. And uh, now we have uh, some new members in here, but yeah. It's excellent. Well, well-earned retirement for them. And like you say, I'm sure they like to come down and get back into the hustle and bustle. In our house, we call it going down to TP. It's okay that <laughs> I use that short form TP? Oh, yeah. I've heard it all. That's, that's <laughs> excellent. That's fine. 907 Google reviews and a stellar 4.6 average rating. Why do people love Tapfong? You know, I, I, I wish, you know, there was a, you know, an answer. I, I think there's just the sheer variety might be one of the reasons. It's just, I, I hear it all the time. I, you know, it, when you go, when you look at the storefront, it seems unassuming, kind of like your, you know, quintessential, uh, you know, Chinatown store. But for, for a lot of people who, even a lot of Torontonians who've lived in the city for years and never bothered to come in, once they're in, they just don't realize the labyrinth that is Tap Fong. And just when you're, if you're coming in just for a simple, for instance, peeler, you don't, you're, you're thinking that maybe there might be one or two options. No, no, <laughs> we've decided to make it our mission to have, to have as many options of peelers and any kind of kitchen utensils there is. So there's, there's that, there's the, um, I, I guess there's the history, it, that sort of that, you know, hustle and bustle, some, you know, it, it can be quite exciting and just, just new and dynamic. Um, and for, and then for some other people, it's just maybe the history, you know, uh, there are stories of, you know, uh, I used to shop here when you were little, Lily. I still consider myself little, you know, little until in, in terms of, you know, stature, but, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, And then having them say, you know, now them having children or great grandchildren and shopping with the stores. So there's that, too. Well, that's it's amazing to think that you have a relationship with the customers, just like the relationship, obviously, close relationship with your family that's allowed it to go on for three generations. Before we get to more about TP, the store, I want to go all the way back to the beginnings of Lily Tran. Where were you born? Please describe your upbringing. Uh, well, you know, it's it's a story. Um, my mom, uh, if, if I can go off tangent, Please. she comes from a, a big family. She has eight siblings. And um, during that time, as I said, in Vietnam War, uh, where a lot of people were trying to escape, I uh, had uh, my, my mother's side and her siblings go on one boat and my mom being married into... Uh, my father's side uh, went with his family to another boat. They all eventually landed in a Malaysian refugee camp. And my mom at the time was pregnant with me. So imagine making this treacherous trip being pregnant uh, wow. in a crowded, a crowded bit, uh, boat that should probably fit about <laughs> maybe 10 or 15 at most, but is crammed with maybe, you know, 70 or 80 individuals. Wow. Um, and uh, at the time, the story uh, uh, says as um, Canada at the time was the first uh, to sponsor us. Uh, initially, they only wanted to sponsor my grandparents and my uncle and aunt. But somehow uh, my grandfather's prowess uh, 
you know, which has probably carried him on in business, sort of negotiated to have his whole family. No, he, no man is going to be left behind. He wanted his own family, whole family with him. And so uh, we eventually landed in Guelph. Um, okay. And that's where I was born. I was told by my my dad uh, just recently, I, I went 42 years without knowing this, but I was apparently the first Vietnamese baby born in Guelph. Wow. Yeah. You... <laughs> So I, I'm I'm famous then. <laughs> you from the very beginning you were famous. Yeah. Now, how did you transition from Guelph to Toronto? Where'd you go to high school? Uh, well, I went to Harvard Collegiate Institute. Shout out and, to Harvard. That's right, and uh, I went there because both my brother, you know, we lived in the West End on uh, Ossington and Bloor at the time. Okay. And of course, my both of my brothers went there, so then I went there, and it was it was it was you know an established school. It has that history, you know, World War II, and I I want to go there, so that's that's where my roots are. Absolutely, and being the third at the school, was it easier? Did you have all the notes from your brothers, or uh, they weren't worth the paper they were written on? No, it's it's kind it's funny, you know. We kind of uh, each fit our mold, so to speak. My older brother Min was the quintessential perfect golden child, you know, got you know perfect grades, never gotten into any trouble, um, and uh, I was supposed to be the the uh, the role model I was supposed to follow. Yes. Uh, Tuan, however, was the 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 rebel, uh, the nomad. Just could not, you know, had itchy feet. Had to constantly be out. Was the athlete in the family, whereas Min's the scholar. And I, you know, here here's me, the only girl and the youngest, trying to fit my mold. And so um, I went to grade nine, uh, where where I had uh, teachers who had known my my older brother. <laughs> depending older- on depending on which one, right? Yeah, I love my older brother. And then, of course, we had uh, the crowd, um, you know, in the halls, like my brother's friend. Oh, there's there's Twan's little sister. Who who doesn't love <laughs> being known by that? But I quickly, yeah, yeah I quickly set my mark. So I was I was good. <laughs> We're always in the steps of our predecessors. I was in my family. I was that first child. So like men, I was the the role model and obviously the scholar. And then uh, my brother in the middle was, yeah, he was definitely the rebel. And then my little sister, she's not a baby baby anymore, but my baby sister, as I still call her, she had the best or worst of both worlds, depending on which teacher remembered which brother. Oh, now you moved yeah. on to University of Toronto. What did you do there? You know, I, I went to, after graduating high school, um, you know, knew what subjects I did well, but trying to figure out, okay, uh, I'll figure it out in, in university. And I just, so I just um, studied, you know, had a a minor, uh, sorry, a major in sociology and and two minors in political science and history. And just thinking, okay, what could I do with this? You know, trying to, you know, having my parents voice and say, you know, how are you going to use your degree? How are you going to use your degree? And I thought, okay, maybe I could go into education and so I thought, you know, I'll, I'll uh, you know, enroll in teacher's college. And I was actually quite cl- uh, close into enrolling teacher's college and had uh, done the hours and, um, you know, volunteered in, in many schools and just sort of realized I was getting into it. You know, there was things that I liked, but it just didn't fit, seem like a natural fit to me. Okay. There was, there was something there. But at the meantime, you know, my parents, who I was fortunate, they basically paid for my education, you know, uh, from the sweat, blood and tears of their work at Tap Fong. 
And, uh, you know, I here I am wandering thinking, okay, I, I better figure it out this quickly. And I thought, okay, I'm creative. That's what I want. So then I did a certification course in George Brown college in interior decorating. Okay. And that was, that was, um, interesting and I, I loved it, but again, that didn't fit, um, after doing year. And I was like, okay, I, I felt guilty because I felt like I was, you know, wasting their money. Now they wouldn't see that, of course. No. Uh, but um, I said, okay, well, in the meantime, I can't just uh, do that. So I, uh, I'll work at, at Tapfong like I did for many summers um, when I was in high school, but just sort of using it as, I guess, a, you know, a stopgap to try to figure it out. But it was a conversation with my older brother, Min, he, he likes to take credit for this, where he just sort of said, you know, you, you're maybe you're looking at it all the wrong way, Lily. You're just sort of thinking of this as being like, you know, a chore duty that, you know, mom is obligating, you know, mom and dad's obligating you to, you have to, uh, you know, work at the store. Now, initially when they had me working at the stores, part of it was because being the, their young, their youngest and the only girl, it was one way of keeping me out of trouble, but they were just also supervising me and uh, also getting somewhat cheap labor. <laughs> The best kind uh, of labor family. Right, exactly. And so I think that was, so it was twofold there. But then, so that's how I initially saw it. But then it was that sort of conversation and just said, yeah, you know what? Uh, let me figure this out. And so I just, you know, took that sort of little conversation where I just felt like, okay, I'm going to engage more in the customer. And sure enough, I, you know, um, I'm, I'm naturally uh, an outgoing person and talk quite talkative. I'm not sure if you, if that's translating that. You, you are, we call it gregarious. Yeah. So, um, and then just sort of built a little, you know, client base of my own. And in, in some ways I felt like I've graduated with them. A lot of, you know, young chefs who were starting out business and now they're quite established themselves. I, I felt like, you know, we've had that similar journey. So it's, it's cool that I've done that. And we've, you know, sort of follow each other's paths. Do you think you had, or did you have any other jobs? Was TP, your job, your career, or did you ever have any, whether it was summer or part-time jobs outside of there? Um, outside of, you know, Tafong, you know, my parents, pretty much every summer, I mean, even before probably was legal, they would have me working in, in the store in some capacity. Um, I mean, before it was probably just sort of like boxing and labeling and packaging and organizing. But when I was old enough, then as cashier, but my only other job other than Tafong, and this was because I was in high school and I felt like I, I want to be a, a typical teenager. I want to have a job like my friends in retail. And uh, my friend got me a job as um, in the concession concession stands at uh, Sky Dome when it was nice. called Sky Dome. Yeah. So I was the person uh, popping the popcorn, making the slushies for the Skybacks uh, that would run up and down the aisles in the stadium at the time. And this this taught you how great it was to be back at the family store or, uh, or you said this is amazing. No, you know what? So it was during my uh uh, OAC year. I'm not sure if people are going to know what OAC year for a lot of people who are in high school now. It's called, it's the uh, uh, relay wrap or <laughs> the honorary lap around high school. Yeah, great yes. 13. Um, but yeah, when I was in high school, that, you know, uh, or sorry, shortly after, I, yeah, that's when I did the, I had the job. And it was great, like just working amongst peers my age. But what was not so good was the breakouts that I have and then just having it reflected in my prom videos. I'm like, I ain't doing this no more. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How was that? 
Well, it's nice to be in a different kind of environment as well. Yes. Now, I don't want to pry Lily too much into your private life, so you can talk as much or as little as you want. But apparently, you also found love at Tap Fong. Oh, is that what they say? Yes, I did. <laughs> I um, and again, another funny story. This is years and years of of my loving uh, middle brother Tuan, of course, who would torture me to no end, saying, "Oh, you're going to be working with the family. You're going to be a spinster, Lily." Uh-oh. This whole scenario that because I was, you know, who's going to want to date a girl that works alongside her parents? <laughs> He had, uh, you know, I, I would have a, uh, you know, have this old uh, house, sit in a porch, and I would have a spider that was my going to be my one and only friend named Charlotte. Okay. So that's what I had to look forward to. Um, little did I know that being the uh, this young new blood in the in this business that um, I actually that was my selling point. It's like, who is this? Actually, I, I you know, I, I joke. Um, my husband would say that he he shopped there for years, but he never saw me. And I kind of felt like I, yeah, I was there. So maybe it was, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the scene from my big Greek fat wedding. Okay, go ahead. Where the main protagonist, she also worked in her diner, but at the time she was, you know, a little, little less Cinderella-esque. Okay. <laughs> on the plain side. So maybe it was then, maybe it was my thick 90 brows I was rocking that... <laughs> <laughs> That didn't quite have me stand out then. And I guess over the years, I sort of maybe came out of my shell a little bit. And that's your, when he, yeah. Your butterfly emerged one day. So what, what happened exactly? He was starting a new job as a private chef for a Rosedale family. And uh, he had to outfit the whole kitchen. And I, I met him just before uh, Thanksgiving and he was shopping in you know, I, I would make a lot of small talk. He came in one day and this was right after Thanksgiving. And, and um, it was really weird. He, you know, he didn't um, just shop. He would come in every once in a while and he, he'd bring just like a, a cup, a single fork. So it wasn't like his usual, you know, <laughs> shopping trip. Started making small talk as I was cashing him out. And he's like, you know, Lily, you know, do you, uh, do you have a lot of free time? I was like, oh, no, 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 no. My parent, you know, my family, they have me working all the time, all the time. And it's like, oh, yeah. And it's like, do you, um, oh, do you, are you studying school? It's like, no, 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 it's just work. And he, and then he's like, this, this poor guy is thinking, okay, I'm trying to get in here. <laughs> How am I going to do this? And he says, do you uh, like coffee or do you like movies? I was like, yeah. I was like, well, would you like to go out with me? And, and, uh, I, I kid you not, and um, I took a brown paper penny bag and I slammed it on the counter and said, yeah, here, write your number. I'll give you a call. <laughs> very smooth of you. It was very smooth of me. Well, I guess, you know, 13 years later, it worked out. So well, there you go. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. so that's so. And, and now I understand just just like the godfather. When you when you marry a tran, you're you're pulled into the family. I, I understand. And your husband's Richard, correct? That is right. Yes, I understand. He's now in the family business. Oh yeah, he's 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 loving me, and I'm sure <laughs> right now it has its charms working for family for sure. I mean, I've I've been in the Tran family, you know, uh, all of uh, almost 43 years now, and there's <laughs> there's times when I I really have to fake my smile. <laughs> As with any family, yeah, yeah. 
And I want to just talk a little more about that because it is kind of incredible. Three generations. How do the relatives work together so smoothly after all these years? And how have you kind of found your own niche, so to speak? Or is it really a collaborative effort? And just by being family, you make it work. Um, you know, it's funny that you say smooth. We, we always think it's, it's like a, a, a reset every day and we're yeah. just surprised that people think so <laughs> that you show up the next day. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. No, it's, it's like any family, you know, there's never sort of like this, you know, upward trajectory, you know, you have your, your bumpy, bumpy days in between. Um, but then end of the day you, you love and respect each other and you just sort of like, you know, what, what argument transpired, like literally five minutes ago, you sort of forget about it and move on to the task at hand. But in terms of like, I think the longevity, it's just, we, we each found what our strength was and sort of like, uh, appeal to that. So for me, I mean, um, I'm, I'm a sociable person. So they obviously keep me on the floor because, you, you know, I recognize people. I like to engage with them because for me, it's, it's more than just, you know, part of what my, I think I, I, you know, love doing my job is I, I generally like to get to know people. It's like, I find it as every opportunity to, to meet a new friend. Yeah. And um, maybe it's the, the Canadian, you know, philosophy, but that's how it sort of, you know, has permeated into my, you know, being is just, you know, really want to get to know everyone, treat everyone right. And so I think that sort of translated in that a lot of people were like, I can't believe you've, you've remembered my name all this time. I've, you know, it's Mm -hmm. been so long since I've been back. And um, so that's where I guess my strength is. And, you know, in terms of my cousins and their organization, they're much, much more, uh, tech savvy and computer in terms of a lot of the advancement that you've seen with the new point of sale systems and organization that that's and the website that's all attributed to them and then in terms of you know uh, my parents and uh, you know my aunt and uncle and my grandparents well we are here because of their you know their passion for the business and the, and their life but they don't have a you know business and background they basically went on instincts and just you know learned as they went along Mm -hmm. so it's um it is a a collaborative effort but also taking advantage of each other's strength and i get the sense you spoke a little about this when someone comes to see you you don't really just try to find them the specific product you're actually solving an issue would you describe it that way or how do you engage with your customers when they come in it's, it's, you know, it's, it's funny. I think, I think I'm a pretty good read of people in terms of like, if someone wants to just have a quick trip or if they want to be sociable, but I think for me, it's like, I, I want to have fun while I'm doing my job. Right. Mm-hmm. And part of that is just sort of asking. So I'll, you know, say hello, of course, but just say, Oh, uh, you know, what are you after? Or sometimes it's, 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 it can be both. Sometimes they have a question that they know um, that I can uh, answer um, and so they'll pose it to me or I try to find solutions where I can, even if I have to really be creative. Mm-hmm. The, for anyone who's been to your store, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, you really have to go in there to see it. Such a busy, full place. In terms of the items, there's so many things that are unique and I, to use the word weird. Talk about some of the most unique or large, small, crazy items that you carry. 
Oh, um, I guess it depends on perspective, right? So like maybe unique might be just the, um, the fact that we'll have like um, different types of like ethnic cooking, um, cooking utensils mm -hmm. that let's say someone from, um, I don't know, Thailand who maybe just immigrated here and they'll be like, oh, you have this clay soap pot. I, I have this in my family. I didn't know we, you know, this got sold in Toronto mm. or um, trying to think of some other stuff. Um, but that lines up nicely, Lily, with yeah. the diversity of the city. You're saying people can find things that maybe were familiar to them from yes. maybe a past life or family. And they're, they're surprised to find it in your store. Yes. And it's not even that sometimes people will see glasses that'll be from their, uh, their parents or their grandparents' generation was like, I remember having these 70s tulip glasses when I grew up. I was like, <laughs> yes, that is Tapong. We're a little bit of a hoarder where we have things circa 1970, 1980 still roaming around. Well, I think it's a compliment when I say I call it. It's a bit of a museum. You could go in, just the things you'll see are, are pretty incredible. You won't find yeah. anywhere else. Yes. I, I mean, I think we just sold out our last case of uh, Spice Girl World Tour paper plates, party plates. <laughs> I, you know, everything comes around again. That'll be yeah. high demand again. Yeah. What, what is the most expensive item that you can buy at Tap Fong? Mm, you know, I guess the appliances, of course, being one thing. But in terms of, I think, uh, for what they see, knives, you know, oh. we'll have like Japanese knives that are uh, the from the Kikuichi line. These are... Uh, uh, sushi knives that have a 300 year old history of the samurais first, you know, um, you know, using it as swords, but then has passed down into their, you know, the families producing them as knives. And so we'll have sashimi knives that are about three, $400. And, hmm. and if you're a connoisseur of knives, you, you understand the value, but you know, in some, in some respects, people are like, wow, $400 for, for a knife or $300 for a knife. Yes. But there's a customer, as you noted, there's a customer that appreciates that. And there's a customer yes. that appreciates just a knife to cut their, uh, their uh, craft dinner. And, and, and that's what it is. I think that's also the family philosophy is that we try to have a product for all sort of different price points. Now you Lily are, I think are on the front lines because of your customers at identifying trends and innovations in products. Is there anything that's caught your eye recently, whether it's an innovative new product or a trend in the food industry? Um, you know, it, it's hard right now, you know, before it, you, you, what was really amazing was during the pandemic, of course, there was the whole sourdough phenomenon. Yes. And during that time we were, we were selling a, quite a bit of Benetons and, um, and, you know, bread lames. Uh, so that was one phenomenon that would sort of like took on, um, and then of course, after that, when it was sort of like, we're fluctuating takeout, we were doing quite a bit of takeout. Uh, the trend there, of course, is a lot of people are doing, um, you know, biodegradable, environmentally friendly products. So that's okay. one trend in terms of takeout. You know, we're sort of moving away from the single use plastic and styrofoam. Um, for now, I think, I don't know, it's just uh, diningware. I can't really say it's it's um, a trend. Uh, maybe in terms of dinnerware, a lot of the old, you know, traditional white classic plates, a lot of people are moving towards more modern, darker uh, dinnerware. 
Okay. And cocktail glasses. I'm not sure if that's a very exciting answer, but <laughs> no, but it's, a, it's, it's changes and you see yeah. them. And I think you've identified yourself as not being really that tech savvy. And I'm certainly not, but I wonder what you've seen in terms of the digitization, let's call it the move to digital, the mm. internet of things. What have you seen in changes in products that relate to the, uh, the internet or being more connected? Um, well, you know, when you, when we, uh, having the website, of course, now it, what it has helped is I think like, uh, how, you know, obviously social media has been able to do it. You're getting far reach, you know, customers from far reaches that you maybe not have been, you know, weren't able to get before, uh, just sort of search. And as you said, we have a lot of people searching through the engines and, and, um, uh, you know, calling us for products because they can't uh, find them. I've had mm. people as, you know, as far as, you know, London wanting a product and being willing to pay for a certain like Korean stone bowl because they were, weren't able to get that um, in their own country and mm-hmm. they really, really needed it. And so there's that sort of connection of making these global communities a lot smaller um, and, also, I think in terms of the technology, how it's translated is things are a lot much are, are a lot faster, faster paid. Mm-hmm. And I think my parents can to uh, can attest for that. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll age myself when I say back in the days when it was basically just the old typical cashier and I was just, you know, bringing things through and or for the restaurants, writing things by hand. It was just, you know, it could be chaotic, but because they understood the limitations of, of our, you know, uh, tools at the time, it was a little slower pace, but now with technologies, I, um, am dealing with sometimes, um, in a, in a given minute, I'll be answering the phone, um, answering a couple of emails as well as, you know, cashing customer out just because of the technology. It's, it's a lot faster. I think your grandfather would be amazed today if he's, he had done all these cash transactions to see today it mm. were virtually at no cash transactions. Yes, you're right. And there is a, it's, it's um, a lot of it is, yeah, it, it you, you're exactly right. I cash is kind of a, a rare phenomenon. These things, these days. Let's talk about to the extent you're willing, because everyone likes to hear interesting stories about who shows up at your store, whether it's a, uh, food celebrity or a celebrity celebrity, any encounters that you can share with us over all your years in the store? Oh, wow. Something comes to mind is um, seeing Catherine O'Hara. Uh, come CTV. Yes, yes. And that's how I know her, of course, in, in Beetlejuice. But a lot of people, of course, will, will know her from, from you know, um, Schitt's Creek. And so uh, I think it was, I saw her it was her sister first who had body utensils. She's like, wow, she looks quite familiar like Catherine O'Hara. And then as soon as I thought it, there was Catherine O'Hara following behind. Um, So that was, that was interesting. And I have the autograph for her. It was probably my one and only time when I actually asked for an autograph. I usually, if there's, you know, the occasional celebrity come in, I try to like let them be because I I feel like they're just there, but I've seen her, um, I, uh, I've run into um, Mila Jojovic and her producer husband. Unfortunately, his name escapes my uh, memory at the moment. Okay. Um, but she, she, you know, she had shop there. And um, another outstanding person was John Corbett. A lot, you know, the ladies out there might remember him as Aiden from Sex in the City. And yes. oh, Derek, 
<laughs> yes. That, yes. There's a, and, and back to your, I believe my big fat Greek wedding. I think he yeah. was in there too, wasn't he? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, in terms of celebrity chefs for the chefies out there, David yes. Yang from Momofuku, when he was, when, um, in the Shangri-La hotel had just been opening and they were setting a Momofuku, he had come into the store and was, you know, buying a bunch of like those traditional old school melamine dishes for, uh, this high-end restaurant. Cause they were trying to get that nostalgic feel. So that was really cool to meet him. The, I, I wonder if uh, how much interaction you've had with Toronto's very vibrant film industry. Have, did, did they ever come to you for either props or things to use in the, in the um, TV, film, movie industry? I think all the time. I think that's one of the things that uh, Toronto is like, as I said, uh, being that uh, if there is one, you know, benefit to being a little bit of, 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 of a hoarder at Tapong is that um, for a lot of production tv production toronto uh, they know that if they're going to try to find an obscure hard to uh, you know hard to get product the chances of them finding a tap farm are pretty good yeah the go-to place yeah spadina chinatown it's changed dramatically uh, i don't know if you can give some examples anything specific that comes to your mind in the way that even in your time working there that it, this whole area has changed Oh, I, yeah, I, you know, could see the evolution. I mean, when I was a child, um, there wasn't a lot, but there was still, uh, you know, uh, remnants of the old Jewish community ties. Um, like Switzer's Deli is, for me, is my, you know, biggest memory. Because every day when I, you know, um, when my mom couldn't find or my grandma couldn't babysit me and I had to go to work with her. One of the ways of getting me out of her hair was to give me a dollar so that I could go to Switzer's and buy fries and gravy. Um, and I would, you know, be sustained off for that on a day on fries and gravy from Switzer's. Um, that is fabulous. Yeah. And then there was, of course, Chalky Silver Scenes um, clothing outlet, which is now restaurants, but they were directly across the street from us. And then I think now the only, you know, Jewish uh, remnant is the synagogue, of course, on St. Andrew Street. Yes. Um, and then and then, of course, during the 80s and 90s, it was a lot of um, Chinese restaurants, dim sum restaurants, uh, Chinese grocery stores. And this was when I would do a lot of grocery shopping with my grandma. Um, a lot of grandkids can remember. And you were basically their little Sherpas. You know, you would carry their bags yeah. <laughs> as they follow them along. Yeah. And then, of course, those restaurants, you know, those uh, people who established those restaurants would move uh, to Markham and Richmond Hill. And now and then when I started, uh, you know, my my journey into Tapong as sort of a you know full time employee, and I was with uh, chefs like um, oh you know Grant Van Gammer and a bunch of you know other young chefs that are my age. You know I could see the change there of in you know particularly uh, Kensington Market being so close, um, the shift of being less Asian centric, and then just this whole new mix of different influences come into the mm -hmm. community. And it's not even just Kensington Market, but directly into Chinatown, like the main street of what you would know, you know, Spadina stretching from college to Queen and then Dundas, of course. You'll see it's not just like your Chinese and Vietnamese, but there's um, Korean, Middle Eastern, um, Mexican. 
you know, it's, it's, and, and for me, you know, a great foodie, I love the variety. Well, let's jump right on that because I want to hear from you. What's hot on the Toronto dining scene, either trends or particular places that have caught your attention, especially as we emerge from COVID and can get out there again. Um, you know, hey, trends, gosh, I always find this is hard because, you know, um, I think in terms of one of the, the biggest thing is a lot of, you know, there's a lot less fine dining. A lot of, you know, dining is now a little bit more casual, uh, communal. Um, so still the, the trend is a lot of burgers, uh, tapas. Um, yeah, um, fusion, you know, there's some fusion centric, uh, yeah, restaurants. I'm not sure if I'm too very, I've got the flyer. Listen, as we, uh, we all emerge now, I think everything's going to be uh, reset. And we're yes. going to find all kinds of new places. Are you a good home cook or do you, do you leave that to your husband? You know, I was, I, you know, I was really spoiled. I, um, you know, as I said, my grandmother was my second mom. So I got, you know, these full on, you know, seven course meals for my grandmother. She did teach me how to cook or try to, <laughs> but she had the patience and I can cook if I, if I take the time. But honestly, I went from being spoiled from, uh, my, my grandmother to my mom, to, to my husband, who's a chef, a private chef, uh, you know, but on occasion, you know, when I have that free day, I'd love to, you know, uh, cook him nothing, you know, um, nothing, uh, Asian. Cause we have a black and rice story, <laughs> irony of irony that, uh, for, forbid me from cooking Asian food for him again. So I just follow all recipes on the internet now. Well, I, I'd be not a good host if I didn't follow up on that. The blackened rice story for the first time ever. Lily, please tell us. Oh, God. The one time when, uh, you know, after the if a year of dating my husband and him treating me, I thought, okay, I'm going to cook him a traditional meal that my grandmother taught me and I could do it. Everything turned out well, except for the rice. I was grown, uh, you know, was raised with uh, cooking rice in a rice cooker. Your mm -hmm. quintessential flowery, you know, hinge electric tiger rice cooker. Mm -hmm. <laughs> my husband does not own a rice cooker or my boyfriend, when he was my boyfriend at the time, did not have a rice cooker. He had pots. I thought to myself, okay, this can't be too hard. I'll just, you know, you know, use the same water ratio as my grandmother, you know, put the rice stick your finger in there. If it, if the water level goes to your, you know, thumbnail, then you're good. Yeah. And then trying to figure out the heating there. You know, I, I had this all day. He comes, comes home from a hard day and I'm like, okay, honey, uh, you know, dinner's almost set. You go take a shower. And I'm, I'm checking on the rice and it was, it was basically congee, a very soupy congee. Yes. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh gosh, okay. He's going to be in the shower for about 10, 15 minutes. I don't know what I'll do. I'll crank up the heat, right? That, yes. That'll work. And uh, he comes out of the shower and he's like, what's burning? And I'm like, oh Lord. <laughs> I check on the right. Now the top, it looks, it looks white, but as soon as he, you know, took a rice bowl and pulled the bottom. It was black and rice. Well, <laughs> like it, we're in about an itch. In some, there's some delicacies now where that uh, firmer rice at the bottom is oh, highly sought after. 
I mean, that's how I tried to, I said, listen, <laughs> you tried you to pitch it. Yes. I said, you don't know what you're missing, but on the, <laughs> on the one hand, so, so I, and on one hand, I said it's a good president because since then he said, you'll, you don't have to cook. I never had to cook again for another probably five or six years after that. So it was good. You got your pass. So that's <laughs> yeah, turned yeah. out good in the end. And by the yeah. way, for the record, rice cookers, how many rice cookers are available at Tap Fong? Oh, if I had to give a number, oh, um, maybe 15? And that's that's just on display. Just bear in mind in every every model, there's probably two or three sizes of each one. Amazing. Yeah. Now, when you go out to eat, I want two places from you that you like to go. One of them can be uh, nicer. One of them has to be a hole in the wall. And it would be nice if you gave us one hidden gem that... Uh, people may not know about that you like eating at when you go out in Toronto? Oh, gosh, this is so hard. Um, I mean, I, it's not very exciting because obviously I'm, I'm blessed with a chef, but I mean, one of the go-to restaurants that I, I go to, um, have been going to is um, Swatow across yep. the street. But I also found that Great Taste of China, which is basically, it's on the same side as, as Tapong. It's just a, about half a block south. There, they do also great um, Chinese food. Um, hidden gem. Well, for me, because I, you know, I have, sh you know, short lunch break is, so it's basically whatever is quick and can get me there is um, right beside um, Tapong is the, um, a restaurant called Fudao and they do hand pulled uh, noodles. The owner is super, super good. And during the, the cold winter months, I mean, you're getting this hand-pulled noodle with your choice of protein in a, in a beautiful, flavorful broth. And um, honestly, for, you know, little money. And so that maybe might be my little hidden gem. That Those are good. And you're, you're going to, we just had Susser Lee on the show. He said Taste of China was his number one as well. Yeah. <laughs> and in the non-food category, I want to, I don't know what, uh, how much you're into vinyl so everything comes around again and yes. my 15 year old suddenly is into vinyl we went to your i think it's right across the street from you played the record with eugene you ever yes. go across there no i mean gosh i'm a i'm a slave to my store but i you know <laughs> I've, I've wanted to i actually want to get a record player again well i'm gonna give a shout out to eugene across the street from you uh my daughter picked up uh, travis scott astral world and i i had to pick up my copy of seven and the ragged tiger i know uh you'll appreciate that as well yes oh i love the history i love, <laughs> love the, yeah crucial question is it faux or po uh it's fa. uh-huh i gotta get that straight one day and where <laughs> where's your go-to place when you go out for that um uh, you know fo hung of course is um uh, just beside for proximity and of course the history the families being so close that's one but another one which is almost a second second family to to my father is um Bung Saigon which is again on the west side of Spadina just uh, closer to Sullivan Street beside the HSBC bank okay good ones 
In the non-food category, Lily, two favorite things you have to do in Toronto. It can be what you like to do, where you like to hang out, a place you like to go. And again, I'm going to push you. you. One of them can be the CN Tower that everyone knows about. But the second one, again, if there's something, it's a bit of a hidden gem that you like to do in Toronto. Oh, in Toronto. Um... I mean, I guess, it, you know, it, right now I'm just really big into home decorating. Maybe a lot of people who are fixing up their house could relate. So I've been uh, I've been a, a, a long member, a regular member of HomeSense. <laughs> okay, you're hanging out there quite a bit. Yeah. Um, no, you know, I think it's just for me, nostalgia is big for me. So just visiting my old schools has been quite good, like Essex uh, Public School. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christie Public. Um, haven't been to Christie Pitts in a while. Love to do that one day if I have some time. Uh, you know, stopping by Harvard Collegiate Institute. So I mean, when I get the chance, I'd like to do those those items again. That's great. And host, hopefully we're getting baseball back soon at Christie Pitts. Oh, so yeah. A reason to get out there. <laughs> Tell us about your plans for the remainder of 2022. What is next for Lily Tran? What is next for Tap Fong? Um, well, you know, just w- my parents just sort of like my parents and uh, uncle and aunts just sort of like slowing down and uh, me and my cousins just sort of taking more on the forefront, you know, taking on more of the rules and, and, have, and having the rules reversed where uh, they can sort of just relax and enjoy um, you know, life or semi-retirement, if that's even possible. Yes. So um, there's that. And I guess um, just more, you know, new technology and trying to get to that point where we can do online shopping. Well, that's great. Everything evolves. Even something as tactile as uh, restaurant and kitchen equipment, there's always going to yes. be changes. For sure. Well, I want to thank you for being with me today. And in addition to visiting Tap Fong in the heart of Chinatown at 360 Spadina Avenue, where can we best follow you and your family business? Oh, uh, you know, there's uh, Tapfong Warehouse on Instagram. Um, I'm sure there's a, I think a, a, a Facebook uh, account also on Tapfong. Yeah, please do it, visit us there. And, you know, but more importantly, we just love to see you in person. Fantastic. Go down to the store and say hi to Lily. Thanks for listening to the Toronto Legends podcast. And on behalf of Lily Tran, I am Andrew Applebaum saying mahalo.
listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster and not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100% because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com.